anchor.fm. This is a very special episode because one of the things that I have never thought that I was going to do in my life, even though I knew that I was going to, you know, do a podcast somewhere, it was going to be in a coffee shop, it was going to be at a bus stop, maybe a bus stop, I don't know. That would be difficult. I never thought in a million years that I was going to be doing my podcast in front of my what is this? Third period, right? My third period podcasting class here at Kennedyville High School. This is insane. It is insanely terrifying. I'm hearing so much stuff because I'm usually used to just hearing the sounds of a house, a quiet house, maybe like the clock, but I hear my fan that's going off in the back of my room. I'm hearing Valentine's chips being rustled as he's eating in my class, which he shouldn't be. So I hope Clapsaddle doesn't listen to this episode um, because then she will really know that I let everyone eat in my class. Shaylin's staring at me. And so, and so it guys bear with me. You're going to be hearing some giggling. You're going to be hearing some chips rustling and you might hear some people getting up going to go use the restroom because these kids don't know when to use the restroom at lunch for some strange reason. They want to just, you know, use the restroom when they right in the middle of class or something. So, Stay with me. We're going to go ahead and go into this cold open right now because I am teaching this class exactly how all this podcasting stuff works and what I'm expecting, but at the same time, this is going to be one of the coolest podcasts that I've done to date. So stick with us and we'll be right back. So anyway, now that we are back in school and dealing with kids coming in and out and everything i have to say that one of the thing you know i was really worried about you know everyone had this worry it's like covid and these kids are going to be bringing in covid to the schools and whatnot and i mean you know it's kind of true it's really true some of these kids have been dropping like flies there was one time where i had like a class and literally there was like only three people i actually think it was this class There was only two people in this class right now a few like a few weeks ago like late last month and everyone was out with covid. But the one thing that I really cannot deal with right now are my stupid allergies. This morning I woke up boogers everywhere. I'm blowing my nose and and this is a thing too. I have to ask you guys, my listeners and my class to bear with me because for some strange reason my left ear is going to just shut down at any moment and i don't even have i don't even have anything oh i have my my towels right there to blow my nose it's just so annoying these allergies are insane i feel like this whole pandemic thing especially with the rain that happened a few weeks ago i think like there's just some stuff that's growing that shouldn't be growing in el paso and it's like weeds like from like mars or something like these allergies are just insane uh, i suffer from horrible sinus infections so right now i'm just hoping that my ear doesn't close up and i start really sounding super nasally um and i even i even went on twitter and i was like hey guys i'm going to be doing my podcast today hashtag #podcasting and like this other podcasting place kind of like liked my tweet and i'm just like oh this is going to be so embarrassing i'm going to sound like freaking gonzo from the muppets or from sesame street or whatever because all day my left ear just plugged up and luckily 
I blew my nose. I don't, I don't know. I blew up my eardrum too in the process. Probably it's like I have to get prepared for podcasting. I have to get prepared for this class. I can't sound like a complete moron. And so, thankfully, we're here and we're good. And thankfully that I'm not doing this in my jammies because, you know, all of last year, having lived through this pandemic, having lived through like two different quarantines, two different quarantines. Uh, we lived through curfews. We lived through a time where uh, teachers actually had to like wake up, roll out of bed, get dressed just to like stay in their room to do teaching and whatnot. Um, I'm just glad that I'm not doing this in my pajamas anymore because that would have been absolutely uh, – I couldn't do it anymore. Not, not one bit. So I'm glad I'm actually dressed up for this and completely ready to go full steam ahead in this podcast. So the first thing that I want to cover is the fact that we are back. We're already a month and a week or so into the school year, however many days that is minus the 186 days that we have of actual teaching. But one thing that was really cool that I read was that 1 million kids are going to be heading back to school in New York. And I know that there's a lot of vaccine rules that are starting to go on. So let me go ahead and get through this really quick. And uh, let's go ahead and talk about it for a little bit. It says here, nearly all of the city's 300,000 employees were required to be back in their workplaces in person Monday as the city ended remote work. Uh, there's no remote option for New York public school students. Now, see, that's a huge thing right there because I know that there is a lot of talk that some students are like, man, I really wish I could just do remote. Now, personally, I have no idea why anybody would want to go back on remote. I think that that is insanely lazy. Um, I think it's just one of those things where you just kind of have to you know, trudge through it. And it kind of it reminds me of back in the day. And I, when I say back in the day, my students don't realize that back in the day means like the early 90s. So like a point in time where they didn't even exist on this planet. And it was like, oh my gosh, little Isaac got chicken pox. And back in the day, if you, I mean, I didn't have any brothers or sisters that I, that I grew up with, but I remember that there was like some families who had like three kids and they would have chicken pox and it was like, cool, you're sleeping with your brother and your sister. You all are going to get chicken pox. So that way we don't have to worry about three people being out at different times. And it's like, there was no such thing as remote learning. Yeah. You would get your homework sent back to you or you would have to like pick up your, your homework pack when you finally got back to school. But there was like this, there was no remote learning, not even when I was in high school and like the internet was a thing. Well, I mean, the internet became a thing probably when I was in, I think I remember seeing the first at symbol when I was in, I want to say like third, fourth grade. And I remember having to ask my parents, like, can I have permission to go to like www.zoo.com or something like that? I wanted to look up something like on tigers. Um, and so like, yeah, there's no remote option in New York at all. And you're talking about 300,000 employees and a million kids. Okay, a million. El Paso doesn't even have a million people population-wise, let alone, you know, 300,000 employees. Um, you know, I'm going to say like a few thousand, but I don't think it's anywhere close to that. Um, and there's some people who are just like, we want to go back to remote. Like my fiance's daughter, they finally sent us something out on, on the app that we have for her. And they're going to be doing like some sort of a poll or a survey to see if they would enjoy or consider the option of doing 
like an on off day kind of thing. Like one day is remote learning. Another day they'll be in school and then remote school, remote school. I don't get it. I really just don't get it. Um, if we continue through the story, it says the outbreak has disrupted much of public life, including the shut, uh, the shuttering of restaurants and other gathering places. City officials have published for vaccinations, have pushed for vaccinations to prevent the further spread of the virus, particularly more highly transmittable variants that could prompt another round of mass closures. On Monday, the city began enforcing its vaccine mandate in indoor eateries, museums, gyms, and entertainment venues. So this is a crazy thing because I've seen a lot of people, a lot of uh, Karens, and a lot of I don't know what's the what's the male version of a Karen, guys? Uh, a Kyle? Uh, a Kyle? Okay, a Kyle. I've I've seen I've seen Karens and Kyles on Facebook all over the place about this whole uh, you know a mandate for showing like your vaccine your vaccination card and whatnot. And I'm thinking about it, and I saw some other stuff being posted about it. It's like, I think everyone has a vaccine card because you have to have all of these vaccinations on file, like polio and <clears throat> polio and uh, your chicken pox and all kinds of stuff. Like you've had this card before. I don't know why people are getting so up in arm about two shots and then possibly the whole booster thing. So that's crazy. And then especially like the whole craziness that like that Governor Abbott's like doing in Texas and whatnot with like opening stuff up and then closing stuff. And then like the cities are like suing the state and things like that. It's insane. It's so crazy. So I don't know about this whole vaccination card thing. Like I have it. If people need to see it, so what, so be it. Um, but I mean, in New York, that's pretty crazy. Cause I mean, a lot of these restaurants are closing again and then people are getting mad and museums. I haven't been to a museum guys in quite some time. Shaylin like forever and I'm itching to get back into a museum. Like I miss going to the El Paso museum so bad. I love that place. I want to take my daughter there. So I'm really hoping that things kind of like ease up around here. Not that everything is like bad here in El Paso, but I mean, man, people can just go kind of crazy. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty insane. I will, you know, there's, there hasn't been like a, a moment where not one student has brought up, like, do you think that uh, they would close down the school again? And I honestly legitimately believe that that would never happen again. I mean, unfortunately, it sounds like the school doesn't care about your health. But on the like on the complete opposite side of that thought, you have to understand that a school, the only way that a school survives is by staying open and by having attendance. If there's no attendance and there's no like open school, you're not going to school. And then you're going to be behind. Because legitimately, if you think about it, that whole year was kind of like a joke when it came to education. Everyone thought that they were doing something, right? And so if you think about it, coming back to school now, seniors are actually juniors. Juniors are actually sophomores. Sophomores are actually freshmen. And the freshmen that finally – the freshmen that have never been on a school campus for a year are still eighth graders. Okay, so think about that, like from a psychological standpoint, from like a mental capacity standpoint, they're still thinking on a year behind. So it's crazy. Like, you know, schools kind of need to be open and remote learning was a was proof that it wasn't where it should have been. And so a lot of my thoughts coming from like virtual learning and whatnot is like it exposed a lot of the cracks that 
it exposed a lot of the cracks that the education system has, but it's also showing that we need to strive a little bit harder to get to a point where education is on par with 21st century learning. Okay. It really does. So we can only see, and like my nose is already starting to clog up again. Um, uh, we could only see how far this is going to go. I think everything's good for now. I'm like really glad that sports is back. I'm glad that I was able to cover a football game for once. Shaylin was covering it because Shaylin's in yearbook and Yadetsi was there because she likes to freeload. <laughs> and thumbs up. And then Freedom was there and everything. And so I'm really glad that everyone's getting that example now because it literally, for me, being my third year here, this is only like the second year that I've I've been able to cover sports because I think last year we tried covering something and I think I only covered one football game and that was completely by accident. So I'm really glad for that. Uh, what else is going on in the news, guys? Um, there was this really cool article that came out for in psychology in the psychology realm by a Catherine Page Harden, and she says studies have found. And so this one's going to be – I'm going to need you guys to put your th your thinking caps on for, for my live studio audience here and then for you guys listening at home or in the car or if you're getting ready to go to bed. Um, studies have found genetic variants that correlate with going further in school. And so basically if I'm going to be like Reddit and I'm going to explain it like if you guys are five years old so that way you get it, basically there's a studies going on right now saying that there might be – scientific evidence and they're there's they're still doing these studies there's scientific evidence that might show that your genes from your parents can could show how far you could actually get in school okay and so um how far we go in formal education from all the way from elementary all the way to like maybe college and then upper like past college like your your uh, graduate studies and so here it's like how far we go in formal education, the huge knock-on effects it has on our income, employment, and our health. And so when we talk about genetics and things like that, we have to go back and we have to think about eugenics. There's this thing called eugenics that was going on back in the day. And basically it was the study of how to arrange reproduction within a human population to increase the occurrence of a heritable characteristics regardless, uh, regarded as desirable, meaning that Back in a time, we're talking going back to like Charles Dar uh, to uh, like Darwin and stuff like that. There was a point in time where there was a study of genetics on how could we get the best people to procreate to make the best people for a people group. Okay, like people who were not predispositioned to have cancer or not predispositioned to have diabetes. Like how could we get the correct people to make kids who are like perfect? Okay, that's kind of like eugenics. And so they go in here and they explain how to do this. And it says, the, the author says, it starts with a statistical exercise in correlation called a genome, a genome-wide association study. And it takes hundreds of thousands of people with similar genetic ancestry, and they measure tiny genetic differences, of which are millions, scattered throughout the entire DNA sequence. Now, if you... I, I don't know if you guys remember this or not, but I remember that back like in like the, I don't know when it started, but I remember in the 90s, there was this big thing called the Genome Project. And basically it was going to try to get all of this genetic information from everyone who's ever been alive and they're going to map out the human genome, meaning that they would be able to trace anybody back to their ancestry. 
I think that's what it was. So this is kind of like revisiting it a little bit, okay? Um, they go on to say it, it then looks to see which of these variants or those variants correlates with their number of years of schooling. We then take the results and for a new person's genetic sequence, add up the information to produce a single number, a polygenic score that predicts how far that they will go in school. That's insane. Could you imagine going through this test and kind of like at birth being given like your birth certificate and then on your birth certificate, it says like Yaretsi is going to go to her PhD in genetics. You know, but then like going on the other side, it's like Isaac Medina will only be able to master a fourth grade education. It's like that would be insane, right? That would kind of like set you up to be like, man, I'm going to kind of be a complete failure at life. But it goes on. It goes on. Consider, for example, policies to close the famed word gap. Okay. So for you guys who are not uh, familiar with what the word gap is, the word gap is actually how many words that you should learn before a certain age, okay? Which is estimated to be 30 million words. Uh, where is it? Lost my spot. Word gap, which is the estimated 30 million word difference in what poor children versus children from high-income families here before they turn three. 30 million words before, the, so it's the difference of 30 million words that somebody who comes from poverty to somebody who comes from, quote unquote, a rich family, how many of those 30 million words did you learn by the age of three? Because obviously, apparently, you learn 30 million words by the age of three. Or you not necessarily learn them, but you know of them, okay? Uh, the jury's still out whether the word gap interventions will be effective, but one glaring problem is the same vocabulary outcomes that are allegedly the outcomes of being exposed to more speech could be also be the result of genetics. Uh, parents and children share genes, and the same genes that are associated with adults' educational attainment and income are also associated with early acquisition of speech and reading in their children. Before we spend millions on interventions designed to change a parental behavior in the hopes of improving child outcome, it would be prudent to at least check out check this effect out. So I mean, my mind is kind of numb at this point trying to figure out, okay, I wonder if I learned 30 million words by the age of three. I don't even remember three. I barely remember five. And the only reason that I barely remember five is because uh, I look at old pictures at my parents' house. And I remember having like a birthday party in the backyard of my parents' house at five years old. And I was hitting the pinata. And at that time, I try and go back and I can remember, I could, I could close my eyes and I can think of when I was maybe four, when I, I lived at my first house with my parents and I can vaguely remember talking, but I don't, I can't begin to imagine if at three and four and then five, realizing that I've learned my 30 million words. I don't even know if my parents know that there's a word gap at the time and they were conscious enough to be diligent. Like Isaac needs to make sure, we need to make sure that Isaac is not part of this word gap. And who knows, being a product of the 80s, growing up in the 90s, I mean, I was born in 88. My fifth birthday was probably like, what, 88, like in the early 90s. So, I mean, I wonder if that 30 million word gap 
is the same, like inflation with money. What was 30 million back then in 1993, 1994, right? So that's insane. That's insane. And then I mean, like, there's a lot of talk about when it comes to like genetic splicing and genetic, uh, you know, reconstruction of a person's genetics. So that way they turn out, that would be like me and my fiance finally deciding, okay, we're going to have another kid. And it's like, well, we're going to go through, you know, in vitro fertilization and we're going to have our embryos frozen on ice. And then we're going to go talk to a geneticist. And it's like, I don't want my kid to worry about having childhood asthma. So we're going to change his genes so that he doesn't have asthma. That's insane. I mean, personally, at that point, you're playing God because it's like, why? You know, why, why take away chance? Why take away that, you know? And so this whole eugenics thing and like this whole thing about seeing how far someone could come, just like they said, we really do need to be prudent. We probably should still like be at the chalkboard at this and like figuring out does this work or not? Is it something that's going to be used for the good and not the bad, not the evil, sinister? And then at the same time, if we're going to talk about education and how far someone could go based on their genetics, how is that going to change the, the makeup of education itself? Is education going to become more personal? So we're going to have to wait and see on that one. We're going to have to wait and see uh, what exactly that uh, is going to look like. So I am going to take a little water break, and then we're going to get back, and we're going to talk about waiting. Not like you haven't waited long enough for this podcast, but we're going to talk about waiting. So we'll be right back. Okay, so we're back, and I really, really did not know how badly I needed to blow my nose. Like, that was just, it was just bad. I needed to blow my nose so hard. Anyway, and sometimes I feel like when I blow my nose, guys, like, I feel like part of my brain leaves me. I just get that much dumber. It's like, oh, man, it's like there goes my frontal cortex of my brain, or like there goes my cerebellum. It's okay to laugh, Shaylin. It's okay to laugh. Okay, so this next part, now we're getting more into the culture stuff. And I think that one of the things after talking with most of my students, because most of my students need some form of therapy, and so I happen to become their like unofficial therapist at some point in their life uh, in class, this next part, I really did pick it especially because of the conversations that I've had with students, with teachers, so, you know, believe it or not with teachers and definitely with just my own thoughts. So this next one, it, this next story that I have is about waiting. And I really think that some people, especially yesterday, I had this conversation yesterday with somebody in my journalism class and um, they're talking about like relationships and uh, this dude is just, uh, this guy is crazy. The whole, that whole seventh period is just crazy. And so this part is about waiting. And it's not about waiting for an answer that you want. This is about what you need to do when you're waiting for something to happen. So here's, here's, the, here's the preface. In the landscape of time, there are a few locations less comfortable than that of one who waits for some person or an event to arrive at some unknown moment in the future. As such, we are hooked onto the future and dangle helplessly on lines of doubt, anxiety, or expectation. The best way to wait is not to wait. To retire into what 
and I'm going to butcher this guy's name, Montagne calls psychologically the backshop of your mind to drift fully into your own concerns and away from external tyrannies. For such periods, the following antidotes to distraction may be of some use. So they gave nine. I'm going to try and summarize most of these, and then uh, we'll see what else is on our, our list of things to do today. So the first thing when it comes to waiting is to exercise your memory, running through recent experiences, new acquaintances, current events, the substance of books. So basically what I'm getting is that from this one, when you find yourself kind of waiting for something and you start getting anxious, think of something else. Literally just think of anything else that might be going on. Think of like the new friend that you made. Think about the day's events. What did you do? It's like, hey, I remember I had like the best the best ice blueberry coffee from Dunkin' Donuts ever because Dunkin' Donuts has the best coffee over Starbucks. Sorry, uh, Dunkin' Donuts, sponsor me. Um, exercise your memory. Think about the things that you need to do today. Think about new, uh, like your new friends. Even if like you're reading some books or something, you read a cool article, focus on those things. You feel anxious, think of something else. Second one, review your short-term and long-term goals. This is actually very crucial, guys. Very, very crucial. Think about where you're at in life and think about the goals that you set yourself. Now, here's the thing. Here's the finesse. If you have never set a goal for yourself, Maybe it's time to start setting some. Start setting some goals. Destiny's shaking her head like, nope, nope, I ain't going to set no goals for my life. Oh, she, oh, she's shy. She thought I wasn't looking at her. Um, but no, short-term goals and long-term goals. Long-term goals meaning what do you want to get out of your high school experience? Short-term goals, uh, maybe I just want to eat healthier as far as like maybe not eating like school cafeteria food where it's like pizza for like a week or something like that. I don't know. For me, it's like I need to stop eating fried food. I I am so done with eating out, guys. It's horrible. I hate it. Third one, review your recent and current impressions, verbalizing them in your mind or on paper. What I'm getting from this one is that maybe you need to journal. Maybe you need a mind journal or like a dream journal or something like that. You start getting into these periods of waiting for something and you start becoming very anxious and expecting things. Write them down so that way they're not occupying space in your mind rent-free. Put them down on a piece of paper, look at them, you know, make sure that they're good, they're sound. It's like, you know what, I'm putting this down on paper and now I'm kind of feeling kind of weird about it and just scribble it out. This is not something that I need in my life. Uh, next, list your present worries, desires, and other concerns and set them within a larger temporal context, meaning take your worries, desires, your concerns, and put them into the big picture of life. Are they really that big of a deal? Or are you making a small, insignificant thing and you're giving it so much time and you're letting it take away your mental health from you? Think about that. Remember, if it's – are you – it's kind of like almost like the saying when they talk about bad days. Was it really a bad day or was it just a really bad moment that you made last and you stretched it out? I just drooled everywhere. And you stretched it out the entire day, Okay. Yeah, Etsy's like, oh my god, he just drooled on air. It happens, yeah, Etsy. It happens. <laughs> Next, think about some important errors you've made or some things that you have done well. Try to analyze the causes, principles, and psychological psychological tonalities that have gone into each. Meaning, as you go day through day, you know, minute by minute, and for you guys, class to class, think about the actions and the the words that you've said. 
what were their impact? Why did you say those things? Why? What am I expecting uh, in return from saying these things to this person or that person? Okay. You start thinking about stuff and you start getting anxious. Well, I mean, okay, well, why are you getting anxious? What have you said? What conversations have you had? Uh, withdraw yourself from the situation you're in and imagine the life around you as if it, as it would be without you. Meaning, let's say that you do something super embarrassing and now like your mind is just like fried. It's like that's all you're thinking about. It's like I can't believe I did that. Think about that situation if you weren't even there to begin with. Would it really matter? Would it really matter in the long run? Okay? Think about that. Um, if there are strangers around you, like let's say that you're at a doctor's office, you're at the bus stop, you're sitting by your, you know, you're sharing a table with someone at lunch, put yourself in the place of one of them and imagine his or her feelings or his or her day. Like that's completely fine. Like just think about it. It's like, man, I wonder, you know, I wonder what that person's thinking about. I wonder what this person thinks about eating pizza for like a week straight in the cafeteria. Or I wonder what this person thinks about having a brand spanking new cafeteria with umbrellas on the tables outside. Like, just think about it. Like, think about someone else's life instead of your own for like a couple seconds, you know? Take your mind off of what is causing you the anxiety. And then reconstruct as fully as possible some bygone house, room, character, or an event in your life. So kind of exactly what I was talking about when we were talking about eugenics. I literally went back to like five years old and I'm thinking about, man, like my backyard at my parents' house is so much different from five years old. We have these massive bushes and everything and it's just like, man, uh, you know, even going back to the first house that I grew up in when I was like three or four maybe and just thinking – what's really weird is that when I do that and I become super nostalgic about my life, I, I, I see my life in sepia. Is that how you say it? Sepia? Sepia? Yeah, sepia. Like everything's like antiquish and brown. That's how I picture like growing up. Like, man, everything was just so much more yellow and browns and bronze and golden. It's like old, antiquish. I think that. And so I, I'm always thinking, put, reconstructing those memories that I have, trying to put them back together. And so that helps me get off of my anxieties of the day. And then, of course, the last one try to remember that at some point in the past, you expected this period to what you expected this period to be like. So remember, there probably is a point in time in your life where you thought of this exact moment. Like, what is it going to be like when, um, let's just say that you're a freshman, okay? What is it going to be like when I'm a junior? It's like, well, I'm thinking X, Y, and Z. Like, maybe I'm doing this. Maybe I have that friend. Maybe I'm still friends with this person. And then now look, now you're a junior. Now remember back to when you were a freshman when you said that. It's like, how has it changed? How has it added up? How is it different? Or how is it the same? But at least you've removed yourself from the anxiety and now you're placing your thoughts on somewhere else, somewhere a little bit more productive. So anyway, those were what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Those are nine different ways of what to think about when you're waiting for something, when you're waiting for a person, when you're waiting for an answer, when you're waiting for an event to happen or an event to start or finish. Just remember that waiting is not that bad of a thing. It's about what we do with the energies while we're waiting. Don't cause unnecessary uh, anxiety in your life, guys. Don't do it. It's not worth it. It makes you age and it makes you get old. Okay, so one last little piece of weird news. We're going to talk about unvaccinated people. 
and we're not going to bash them because they're kind of like the unvaccinated people are the ones that are kind of like bashing vaccinated people in this story. This is the whole unvaccinated TikTokers who are calling people or who are calling themselves purebloods for not being vaccinated. Now, first off, how dare they use Harry Potter references for something like this? I, I, I am offended. I'm going to, I declare cancel culture right now. We're going to cancel this stuff right now. But no, for real. So, so for those of you, I mean, Valentin, you're, you're familiar with Harry Potter, right? Not at all. Oh my gosh. No wonder you're sitting on the complete opposite side of the classroom. All the Harry Potter fans are over here. Anyway, um, the phrase was popularized by J.K. Rowling's villain Lord Voldemort in the Harry Potter series. And again, this is for, for people who are not familiar with the term purebloods. Um, it comes from the Harry Potter series as a way to distinguish between pure wizards and everyone else. Okay, so not to spoil any stories, but I seriously doubt that Valentine's going to sit down and you know binge watch Harry Potter or anything like that. No, not even your girlfriend's into it? No, not at all? Oh, man. Jeez. Anyway... Um, I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna try to like not spoil it for people because we're in 2021 and we're what five, three months, four months away from 2022 already. Everyone should have watched Harry Potter by now. Um, but I mean, we all know that you know Harry Potter. He was a pure blood, and we know that Ronald Weasley was pure blood, and we know that Hermione Granger was. What did they call Hermione? A mud blood. They called her a mudblood, right? Because she was half, half like her mom or dad was half wizard, and the other one was a, uh, a muggle. Anyway, so we got unvaccinated TikTokers calling themselves purebloods because they have not gotten the vaccine yet. Uh, the new, uh, the new pureblood trend seems to have gotten a big boost from conservative TikToker influencer Lindsay uh, Lindsay Marie in a post shared last week. Uh, uh, with hashtags like Harry Potter, pure blood, and unvaccinated. And quote, this is what she says, from now on, I refuse to be referred to as unvaccinated, she declared. I want everyone to now call me pure blood. Uh, another TikTok user, Leanne Star 23 took the analogy a step further, and she said this, quote, in like five, five to ten years, maybe less, all the people who are unvaccinated we're going to be hunted, she warns. She goes on to say, it's going to be like Resident Evil. We're going to be the antidote because everyone else is effed, and we're going to be the only ones with pure blood. That's crazy, right? Like, that's insane. What's up? The what? What about them? I'm going to assume. Maybe like teenagers, maybe like in their mid-20s. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't even understand TikTok to begin with. Um, this is just insane. This is weird. Like this just goes to show you like you could post a picture of a, of a rock on social media and people will fight about the rock. Like, oh, like this is, this is not a smooth enough rock to be posted on Facebook or something like that, you know? And so it goes on to say that the surge in unvaccinated pride comes as, a, as, a, uh, as several high-profile anti-vaxxers have recently died from COVID-19. The recent death of a right-wing radio host in Colorado who urged his listeners to boycott the COVID-19 jab was publicized this week. Another right-wing shock jock in Florida who dubbed himself Mr. Anti-Vax died a few weeks ago. 
And then a prominent anti-vax activist from Chicago also recently died of COVID-19 after she had a crowd of QAnon followers harassed. Oh, no. She had a crowd of QAnon followers harass the hospital to treat her with a bogus COVID cure. Those deaths and the overflowing hospitals in states with low vaccination rates serve as a grim reminder that unlike the Harry Potter universe, the threat of COVID is still very, very real. Like, that's insane. Like, that is just completely insane that we are getting to the point now where we're just making fun of everybody, right? Like, we have nothing better to do than to go on TikTok and lash out at people who want to get stuff or not to get stuff, right? It's insane. So, anyway, as we transition, now we're going to get into, anyway, wait, hold on. Studio audience, how much time do we have left? We, we leave at what, 219, 220? 219, 220? Okay, perfect. Awesome. So I'm going to take a break, <clears throat> and then we are going to get into our third section of COVID and coffee. And this is going to be a treat. We'll see you right now. Okay. So I should not have put water in my protein shake because now it's going to get all nasty and lumpy. And I gag really easily when I drink my protein. And so when I get like those big globs of protein stuck in my mouth, it's like the worst thing ever. So I'm like, man, I should have waited. Oh, man. Anyway, I needed to change settings on my microphone because for the first time ever in negative possibility history – despite the one interview that I did that I have to set that I had to do through my actual through the actual app I actually had to switch my microphone to the interview or what should be called the interview um, setting because for the first time for covid and coffee for our, our last section for the day I actually have the pleasure of interviewing Miss Freedom Warrior who happens to be my editor in chief here for the actual school podcast so it's the podcaster interviewing the podcastee, and she looks absolutely nervous. She was like, what are you going to ask me? I was like, I don't know. Like, this is my podcast. I'm not going to tell you exactly what we're going to be talking about. So I'm going to see how completely uncomfortable I can make her without completely shutting her down on stuff. So Freedom. Yes. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. How has the first month of school been it started off good to be honest with you um because in ninth grade you know before everything happened like it was not good and then 10th grade it was great believe it or not during quarantine and all that stuff um but now as a junior it's actually going really good Uh, however of course i'm personally going through like a rough patch and stuff but i think uh i know that i will get over it but just like right now, sometimes I'm like, eh, I don't know if I will. But um, yeah, it's just going good. What was it like, in your opinion, and through your experience, what was it like going through and experiencing something that education and schools have not experienced for over like 100 years or something? Like, well, how do you process a pandemic? I was just like, oh, wow, <laughs> this is something. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, we all have different experiences with it. We all have our different opinions about it. I actually liked remote learning. 
I know that earlier I was listening and you said that who does? And I was like, in my mind, I'm like, I do. But it's because. Totally going to get fired for that one. (laughs) (laughs) And it was because um, I was able to get a hold of people easier for podcasting because nobody was allowed to be outside, really. Mm -hmm. So being able to get people to do interviews with me was easier than having to do it now. Um, But other than that, I thought the experience was. I guess one to to always remember because we're never going to forget this and this is definitely a chapter in the textbooks so, so i don't want to like drop like like the first like big bomb on you like right now but like it literally just popped into my head like do you think that this is like your guys is 9 11 sort of sort of sort of kind of how so because for us teenagers we were, we were going through it, okay? Everybody was going through it. But for some reason, I think for teenagers, it hit harder for mm-hmm. the generation of, what are we, generation? I think you're still getting like Gen Z, no? Yeah, we're Gen Z. You guys are, Gen Z. <laughs> you guys are like hardcore Gen Zers. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, you guys grew up like doing TikTok dances. Uh, gross, no. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we did lose a lot of people. I personally have lost people during the pandemic, not because of COVID, but for different reasons. Um, and I feel like a lot of people are just going through it and I definitely do think, think that this is, it's not like our 9-11, but in a way it kind of is. It's your national tragedy. Exactly. Your generational tragedy. Yes. (laughs) Um, I, I met you my first year, right? Okay. So what was the what was the mentality as far as like being in a class like this and then going through a pandemic and then realizing like oh crap i like this because i remember i remember you actually liked it but then it's just like oh crap there's no newspaper and then it's podcasting like how did you like go through that transition with me like how how did you think through it how did you process that okay so in ninth grade as you know i was very shy very insecure i was that girl who always wore a hoodie and didn't really talk so when you asked me if i would like to be the editor-in-chief of the newspaper i was like for real i don't even say anything in your class i just wrote like two stories for you and that was it but um i said yes right away didn't i Mm -hmm. i did surprisingly i know but then you told me to really think about it so i was like "Eh, my answer's still gonna be yes so over the over time i became very determined and i just have tenacity like you always say so whenever i do a story i'm like you know what i'm supposed to be a role model for these people i need to have tenacity so i'll do whatever it takes to get whoever i want on the podcast um so with veronica escobar i'm finally like relieved on that part (laughs) because we actually got her um so i guess it just went from being shy to getting the gears turning to having tenacity and just not stopping and then what about the idea of from one day to the next pandemic podcasting? Because at, at the beginning, it was newspaper. Then it was podcasting. So how did you, how did you make sense of that? At first, I was like, how, how are we going to do this? <laughs> like, for reals, I don't know how we're going to do this. I thought we were going to have an online newspaper, but nobody's really going to use that. So then we were talking about just brainstorming really podcasting so i was like oh my gosh how am i going to do this how am i going to help my staff and all this and that 
um the first podcast episode that or like my first spot that i made i actually had my mom help me with it and it was a two we it was like a two-hour process because we had a speaker set up and <laughs> i would press play press pause and all this and that because i wanted it to seem like it was live but um <laughs> that was really fun and i think that we made a great decision or a good choice in picking the podcast instead of a newspaper you know save the trees and stuff <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't cost as much it does not cost as much it's literally free because it's free um what was one of your most shining moments in in podcasting as you've been learning this for the last this is your second year doing it like uh, what's the one thing that you've learned the the, the most to have confidence that is one of the shining things that I have gotten because even through the pandemic, I was not as confident as like I am now talking in class and actually having to take over the class. And I was like, why is it nobody talking to me except for Matt? And I was like, I don't know how to do this. So I, um, I just gained all the confidence that I lost over the years and got it back. And now I'm here. I never thought that I'd be doing this. You know, to be honest, so it's confidence. Um, you interviewed the city mayor. How was that? Talk to me about that. Dude. Because I was literally at my fiance's house when you told me you got it. Okay. So <laughs> so talk to me. How did you manage? How did you, a sophomore at the time, right? Yep. A sophomore at the time. How did you manage step-by-step to get in touch with the El Paso city mayor during probably it was probably like the end but like the beginning of the worst quarantine part of everything how did you land that so i was probably on the laptop for an hour looking for an email address so i went back and forth because i was like you know what if if this doesn't work then what am i supposed to use like you need to have backups for everything so when i finally found an email that i was like okay i think i can trust this i went right ahead and i emailed them um and then i was like you know what if that doesn't work if he doesn't work then i'm gonna get judge someone you well i never got him because he was very busy and um within like the next two to three business days he got back to me d margo his secretary or whatever i forgot her name nice lady she got back to me and she said, oh, yeah, he'd be more than happy to help you with the podcast. And I was like, for reals? So, <laughs> so I'm over here like, oh, my gosh. So I had to sound very formal. So I'm like, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And she's like, here it is, his work uh, phone number. And I actually still have it on my phone. So Contacts. I hit him up. up every now and then. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I don't. You got that. You're going to have the job as soon as you walk the stage. You're going to be like a city manager. Yeah. But I mean, shh. That would be their mistake. But um. <laughs> so I I contacted him through his uh, work phone number thingy and <laughs> he, he said, sure, this day, this time, I'm available. So I was like, all right. I didn't really have anything going on, so I was like, sure. So um, it was kind of hard, though, because I was like, I don't know how to use Anchor. I don't know how to use it. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm sending him the link and then I'm exiting out and you're not supposed to do that. So I send him the link again and I stay on the link. And he actually joins. And then when he answers, he's like, this is, this is Mary DeMargo. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so I was like, I'm all shaking and my voice is shaking. And I'm like, uh, hi, Mary DeMargo. It's like, oh, crap, it worked. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. Hi. Um, my name is Freedom. <laughs> this is such an honor and this and that. And he, 
after I said, how are you doing? He laughed because he knew I was nervous. He laughed and he's like, ha ha, <laughs> this is good. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So um, after that, we started talking and I actually made him laugh. Like, not just because of my nervousness, I made a joke and I forgot the joke. Like, it was, it was good. It was a good joke. It was a good joke. But uh, he actually ended up laughing and all that. But um, that was basically it. So after the interview, I I was just, like, jumping in my room because I was so proud of myself. And I knew that right there, I'm going to go far in this, in this year especially. Did did reaching out to somebody who seems unreachable or unreachable kind of give you a different perspective of people? And that's the end of the podcast, guys. So next time we will do it. We'll do this again some other time. And before Valentine leaves, we need to go on the podcast and say happy birthday, Valentine. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. So we, ha- we hope you have a great day. Alrighty, guys. I'll see you guys later. And then everyone on Anchor, I will catch you on the flip side.